Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Kyle from Stall Agronomy, and for the first time, we're going to try the video thing. So I'm going to try doing recording and uploading this also to YouTube. We'll, so we'll see how this all works. And I'm on the other screen, and if you're on YouTube, you can see me right here. So it's kind of an interesting way to do it. And now I actually have to look good and not be in my pajamas when I do this, which that might be a little bit of a violation on YouTube. So let's talk about today's topic I want to talk about and let's talk about the 80s farming crisis and how does that relate to today uh, so obviously if you're not familiar the 80s farming crisis kind of started in the 70s so in the in the 70s we had Earl Butts tell everybody to plant fence row to fence row who was the Ag Secretary when we had a green deal with Russia because the USSR needed our grain and so we were selling grain to russia um along with getting text messages but we were selling grain to russia and we basically needed that grain and so farmers were you know purchasing equipment we were going out getting loans and land values started to rapidly increase and as land values started going up we also saw equipment values go up. We saw, you know, grain prices were great. Everything was, was really rolling for the ag community in the 70s. And to say banking uh, wanted to get kind of get in on that is kind of might be even an understatement. So the banking industry as a whole really wanted to get in on the farm boom of the 70s. So one thing you have to understand with how we do taxes and agriculture and how we do loans is uh, I was listening to another podcast the other day talking about how most businesses use cost basis for analysis of what your stuff is worth. So if I went out and bought a truck for $50,000, that's how much we paid for that truck. That's what it's worth. Um, what we do in agriculture may be a little different. And we use the, uh, we're not using cost basis, we're using uh, market value. So when you're, let's say you own an acre of land and you paid at that time, let's say we paid $1,500 an acre for it. Two years later, it's worth $3,000 an acre to use $3,000 acre worth of capital. You would run market analysis or market valuation for that acre. So I'm not a banker. I'm not going to propose that I, I know everything about this, but this is kind of the bare minimum of, of trying to understand some of this. So what happened was banks were revaluing all these assets. You're worth now, you know, twice what you were a couple of years ago. And let's get you a loan to go out and buy more land. And even though the land's more expensive, you're worth more so you can go buy more land. So people were buying land. We're buying equipment. Uh, you know, market prices are going great. And then in 79 or 80, Russia decides to invade Afghanistan and we had a grain embargo. And so essentially we stopped selling grain to Russia. So market prices started going down. We got a glut of grain. Um, banks started to realize, and, and here's the scary thing is, is kind of things are happening in, in the home market or housing market right now is banks started to realize, holy crap, this guy's got a loan for $100,000. He is now, the assets that he has for the 100000 are now worth $50,000. And we could go belly up on this. And his interest rate, which is the other part of the 70s, was as inflation grew, 
they try to combat that, which is what we're seeing now with inflation, or they combated inflation with rising the interest rate. So the interest rate eventually got to like 21% in the middle of the 80s. So not only are you worth less, now you're paying a higher interest rate and they're refinancing you to try to help you out, maybe. And as you refinance, the interest rate goes up because now you're, you can't get money, you're, you're having crop issues. Um, you know, this is somewhat pre-crop insurance. They didn't have quite the insurance we had now. So on top of that, you have some dry years in there. You also have grain value is worth less and equipment's worth less and animals are worth less. And essentially, it just all kind of came crashing down because you were worth less and then now you're paying interest and that interest you have on all this extra stuff that you bought is at a higher rate and basically you can't even pay the interest and that's it that's the end of that and there's a lot of people that restructured towards the middle of the 80s but by like 85 or 86 it really hit home and we had farm sales a lot of things going on so all these things kind of culminated right so we had high interest rates um, we had elevated land and equipment values we had um, somewhat elevated grain prices due to an Russia being basically cut off from exports and all that started happening all at once and nobody was prepared for it and it just you know and at that time I can tell you I mean you see it sometime even now where people are looking to experts to help them make decisions and, and take more loans out and, and buy land and and those same experts you know three four years down the road were like holy crap you owe us a lot of money and you don't have the collateral to pay this. It's not, you know, we wrote a loan for $200,000. Now it's worth a hundred. And if we foreclosed on you, we lose a hundred thousand dollars essentially. So major risk for the banks. And that's what started happening. So fast forward to 2019, right? We had, we were at that time kind of saying that we kind of had maybe not the best of times in agriculture. We were talking about farm suicides. We were talking about uh, bankruptcies in 18 and 19. And then the pandemic hit and we went from, I don't know what the heck it was before the pandemic actually started happening, but I think we got down under $3 for a little bit for corn uh, in 2020. And kind of as everything kind of started coming back online, we started getting back to work a little bit, which yeah, obviously farmers, we never quit. But as everybody kind of got back to work, grain prices went up. So 2021, probably one of the best years we've ever had. Um, I think 2021 on a financial basis was amazing. It was, it was great. Uh, and for that matter, 2022, uh, great yields here. And if you bought your inputs early, you actually had lower input prices and really good grain prices. 2022 was a great year. That also being said, we have to look at some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years. Um, you know, inflation's been going nuts. We, we've been talking about inflation for the last probably almost two years now. And part of that is we had the student loan pause where uh, people didn't have to pay their interest rate or pay their student loans and they got capped at a 0% interest rate. Um, and that's been going on for almost three years. So. You got all these people that haven't had to pay on their student loans. They didn't have to, but they could have and gotten 0% interest during that time. 
And I, I saw a statistic somewhere at 1.46%. It was a really, really low number. There's a couple different ones out there. So let's say even at 5%. 5% of people actually kept paying their loans and actually started paying them off. The other 95% of those people took that money and spent it on other things. So we have inflation from that. Um, you have the payment protection plan or program, PPP. There was two rounds of that. Hand a bunch of money out to people like me and business owners and farmers and everybody. And essentially, as you kept your employees or your workforce the same, uh, I think the second round, you had to show a loss in a certain quarter. You, you, here's money. And it was basically like three months of payroll. And, you know, so we threw that money out there. And yeah, obviously, some people abused it, but that money's out. Um, you've also got, um, on top of that, they were sending checks out to people that made under certain dollar uh, dollar amounts. They uh, forwarded along um, child tax credits and all these different things. We, we were just throwing money at people to not work and not travel and not do things during the pandemic. So all this money got thrown out. Uh, we've got people that had loans, but they didn't have to pay on them for three years. And now they've gotten accustomed to having a nicer car or they're paying more for other things. And in the last year or so, they've kind of started living beyond their means. So that's happening in the private sector. Now in the ag sector, we've had equipment values just skyrocket. I mean, honestly, if you follow Machine Repeat on Twitter anywhere, he's talking about uh, records for farm equipment. I mean, the other day, somebody paid almost $200,000 for like a 30-year-old tractor. Um, and it wasn't even that low of hours. And there was, uh, Corey Hobo posted a thing, I want to say last winter about, um, I don't know what brand of trailer it was, but it, basically a grain trailer, I think it was an early 2000s model that sold for more than what we would pay for almost a new one a few years ago. And, you know, I, I looked at trucks a couple of years ago because we had to upgrade one and a used truck was actually going more than a new truck and they were adding market price adjustments on. And they had all these different things. So I, we're paying more for things. And I mean, John Deere, Starfire uh, 6,000 receivers, a new one from the dealer was $3,800, but you couldn't get one. Uh, they were going for eight to 10 grand for a Starfire one receiver that you could pay $3,800 for at the dealer to get. And as all these things have happened and you know, farming's going well, we're getting money. If you need something right now, you got to pay for it. Um, you know, parts have had totally increased. I've looked at two things in the last year that um, I either bought previously or didn't buy. And then I had to go out and buy it or I, I'm kind of revaluing things. And those have all doubled in value. And I wish I'm kicking myself on one thing that I didn't buy and I'm not kicking myself on the other thing I did buy. Um, you know, we were all buying things and as things went up, you know, your value has gone up. So where we are at is, um, we're starting to see those interest rates rise up. You know, obviously we're not at 1980s levels. We're not in the double digits on, on a lot of interest rates, but there's loans out there right now, seven, eight percent. Um, there are, there are elevated equipment values, um, you know, fertilizers went up. Now it's kind of come back to reality a little bit, but it's recently started going back up with this whole Ukraine situation. There, there's so many different things going on that we're starting to see people kind of pull back on what they're spending. Um, I think with inflation, we're starting to see some of that happen. We're starting to see the, res 
resumption of the student loan payments are going to happen sometime in the next couple months. So you're starting to see people kind of tighten their belts a little bit in in just the rest of the country. Uh, in ag, we are still seeing these elevated values, and we're still seeing you know some volatility in the markets and you know, farmland, uh, I want to say like Iowa, it seems like every time you you look at a farm sale in Iowa that we set a new record for farmland values. And we've got all this going on. It's scary to kind of compare the two things. You know, obviously we don't have some of the same things we had in the 70s. And some of the things that are going on now, we have a little bit better protections on, on kind of how things happen and how uh, banks handle the loan process. And you know, that it's better, but it's not a lot better. And I think as we see these equipment values continue to, to stay high, um, you see land values stay high, we're kind of setting ourselves up for a correction. And the thing that is scary to me is, you know, I put out a video on TikTok yesterday talking about um, the nutrient levels that soil testing labs are seeing is fairly concerning. We've had, I want to say in the last year I saw where the soil testing labs were, were basically surveyed and, and they submitted how many of their samples were below a critical level. And I think it's kind of debatable state to state, whatever it is on what a critical level of some fertilizers are, but P and K in Wisconsin, potassium were 80% below a critical level according to the state. And on the phosphorus side, we're in that 50 to 60% range. So 50% of our acres have been getting less and less fertilizer as yields have gone up or the same amount of fertilizer as yields have gone up in the last several years. So essentially we're, we're mining that bank. Uh, we're, we're looking at microbials and biologicals that will help us mine it even more. Um, and I, I think we're basically, we're, we're taking from the bank on a lot of these acres. We've gotten to where we can't cut a whole lot more. Um, and then we're looking at products, um, products to kind of save us. So the scary thing is, you know, there, there are certain biologicals and there's, there's all these different things. You know, let's say our lowest stave on the barrel. We always talk about the stave of the barrel approach. Um, if, if phosphorus or potassium is the lowest stave on a barrel, uh, essentially, if that's the lowest point on that, you can't, you can't fill it up anymore. And obviously your yield can't go any higher. So P and K are limiting us on yield and we're putting on zinc. We're putting on fungicides. We're doing um, extra nitrogen. We're doing all these other things. We're, we're putting money into this crop all the time to try to gain more yield. And here we are, we're, we're basically mining the, the most limiting factor we have to, and then adding products to try to gain that yield. So it's a maddening cycle to kind of watch. And as we're paying more for equipment and we're upgrading and we're, we're buying land and we're, we're doing all these other things, we're paying more for inputs. I think we're really setting ourselves up for some little thing, one domino to fall somewhere to, to really make it crumble. And, you know, you look at 08 and 09, um, you look at the housing crisis back then and the thing that really crumbled that was, you know, you had these investment banks that were basically selling products that were crap. You know, they're talking about different loans and and how they had mortgages and people were basically just getting a mortgage for anything. And and they were buying a house and then they turn around and sell their house two years later. I mean, obviously, um, where we live here, 
right across the street has sold three times in the last uh, two years. And each time it's $50,000 more than what they paid for it the time before. That value of that house is going for double what we paid for our house during 2009 and 10 when the whole housing market crashed. And the guy that bought it from, or we bought it from actually was kind of belly up on the house because it was, he paid more than what it was worth and now it, it came back down. I think we're we're one step away from that. So it, maybe it's grain prices going down. Um, maybe it's, you know, we have a, a bad year or we have a really good year and we have a glut of grain and so does Brazil and Argentina and all these other countries. Um, whatever it is, there's going to be one thing that, that just sets us off. And I, I really think a lot of you, just all of us in the industry, it's not really a pinpoint thing, but we need to be kind of prepared for something like that to happen. So are you extending yourself on something that, you know, let's say your your combine is four years old and, you know, a, a brand new one is double what you paid for that combine, you know, eight years ago. But it's just really shiny and it's kind of helped me, you know, you, you kind of justify, I mean, I've done it too. You know, I, I'm married, so I have to justify equipment purchases, but you know, we justify it by it's going to gain us X yield or it's going to get us this much efficiency or cut our parts uh, we have to put into it. That number could totally change in a couple of years. So let's say you justify that purchase by, you know, you're going to save on parts. And a year from now, that combine is now worth two thirds of what you paid for it. And parts have come down and your yields aren't going up. And, you know, just one little purchase could set off a very big roller coaster ride for a lot of farms. And I think we need to be smart on, you know, expanding as far as taking on more land, uh, renting or buying, um, you know, upgrading equipment. You know, it's one thing if you're, if you bought a tractor for $40,000, it is now worth $80,000 and you're going to go out and buy an $80,000 tractor or a hundred thousand dollar tractor. You know, if you're, making these little upgrades and, and you're taking advantage of market value gaining, that's not a terrible thing. If you're basically trading in a combine to just because you always trade in a combine and you know, the extra value or extra cost you're going to have to deal with, you, you're not as worried about that. And that's where we're going to start running into concerns and, you know, land across the road goes for sale and, you know, land in your area goes for 10 grand and, you know, you got some investor that's in there for 15 and you buy it for 15 because it's right next door. You're not going to be upset about buying land right next door. And let's say two years from now, uh, the land market crashes, uh, stock market crashes, something happens and now it's worth $7,500. Essentially your land you bought for double what it is. If you were to turn around and sell it because you're in dire straits or financial issues, and now it's worth half of what you paid for it. And that's kind of what happened in the housing industry, especially around here. We had people that would buy land. And in 2009, they were turning around and selling that land for 50% of the value of what they paid for it or less because they had to get out of it and they needed the cash. And we had farmers go back and buy the land and now they're selling it again. And they're, they're basically being able to double dip on some of this. Good for them, whatever it is. But I think we need to be very, very careful about how we manage ourselves through the next year, uh, the next two years. Um, you know, we're, we're not making purchases. We're not making decisions based on the next two months. We're, 
we're buying seed this fall. We're uh, we're buying fertilizer for next year. We're we're putting on amendments and doing all these other things, and we're we're applying something that maybe we don't necessarily need on our crop. Um, you know, twenty dollars can go a long way uh, per acre in adding potassium or phosphorus or fifty dollars or whatever it is. There's all these times where we spend twenty bucks on this per acre and twenty bucks on that per acre and thirty bucks on this, and I wouldn't farm without adding this and because it's shown a benefit and we just put it on every acre now. I always talk about we need to re-verify all these different things we try. And we, we even though we think that they're the best thing ever, we need to always be checking these things. And I always, I'm pretty adamant about that with our guys. And I think we need to kind of ramp that back up and understand that, you know, if I'm at 30 parts per million of uh, potassium, I could add anything I want to that crop. And maybe it, it'll show a bigger return than we've ever seen on anybody else's ground. But if we would have added more potassium, we probably actually would have seen no advantage to yield on the product we added. And we also would have gained even more yield because that was that short of potassium. So I think we need to focus on what we have as far as value, you know, value what's in that land, value the fertilizer value. Um, we put almost no value to when we buy a farm or we rent a farm, what is in that ground. And we need to understand that that's just as important as anything else. And, you know, just having the land isn't, isn't going to be the same deal. I mean, when you're looking at six, $700 potash and you have to replace some of that. And, you know, if it's already short, we need to value that as well. So there's all these different things we need to pay attention to, but for the most part, I guess my biggest thing is be prepared that there could be something happen. I mean, there are people that, you know, I don't want to be a doomsayer and I'm not trying to like make everybody feel like it's the end of the world or anything. But I, I honestly think that we have set ourselves up to be in a really precarious position if we go forward this way and continue this way. So that's where I'm at. I think we need to understand, you know, we always talk about making sure we, we watch history and understand history so we don't repeat the same mistakes. Let's uh, let's kind of watch some of that stuff and understand how things affect our bottom line. And I, honestly, I think I, I don't want everybody to tighten their belts to the point where they're not getting any yield. But you also need to kind of look at the future and, and understand that, yeah, while things look good, um, things can go the other way quickly. And that's what they said. I, I was watching a documentary on the 80s and we'll, we'll end on this. Uh, they interviewed a lot of these people and they said, what happened? You know, why, why did this happen to you? What, what, what went on? And the one woman that they were interviewing said, I guess we were just naive. We just thought everything was going to be continually going up forever. I thought the banker was my friend because he was always nice to me. Um, you know, it's just, it wasn't exactly that they were the worst people and all the people that were giving them financial advice were telling them to buy more things. I would trust that we should maybe look at having a broad um, broad network of people we could look to for opinions and not necessarily the banker, not the person who's selling you the equipment, but people that are just looking at markets and understanding how these things all work and, and trying to give you decent advice and, and try to make your business um, business successful. And that's the other thing that these guys said about the 80s was they were running their farm as if it was a lifestyle or it was their thing that they did and not running it as a business. And they said that was what buried a couple of them. Run your farm as a business. I'll catch you guys next time.